Romans chapter 1, look down at verse 16. The powerful verse of scripture that the apostle Paul writes to us. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And many of you can say the same tonight. I am not ashamed. Now, I'm telling you what, I'm getting pumped. I'm trying to pump myself up. And you, if you're going to either come with me or we're just going to run over you. But I'm hoping you'll just join right now and say, I'm going to go with you, Pastor. And these next 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes, that we can truly have an experience, the preaching of the Word of God to where the power of God and the manifest of His presence is made known in this place. So here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And the word salvation there also means not only eternal salvation for you going to heaven and spending eternity with God, but it also means healing, deliverance, prosperity, and wholeness in every area of life. So look at it that way. So this is for you. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is good news of Christ. For it is the power. The gospel of Christ is the power, he says here, the power of God to salvation for, to everyone who believes. Do you believe tonight? Amen. Okay, four of you do. Okay, maybe I'll work on the rest of you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And we'll get you to believe before you leave. Hallelujah. Turn on over to 1 Corinthians. We need some more scripture because if the scripture is the power, then we need to get more scripture. Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Just moving right forward from Romans to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4. When you find verse 4, say, I've got it. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul is writing again, and he says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration, which also could be translated manifestation, but in demonstration or manifestation of the Spirit and of power. So let me read that again. He says, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But when I came and I preached, he said it was the demonstration or the manifestation of the spirit and of power. Now, if you would put it in forward and move right ahead to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians and uh, chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Just move right on through Philippians. Some of you got the Ephesians, go on to Philippians, then Colossians. Just keep moving forward. There's 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Here he's talking again about the gospel. For the gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. That's all I'm going to read of it there because I'm emphasizing, and I believe you see these three verses had this, this cohesiveness to this. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes it. And he says, and my, I didn't come to you with my speech and my preaching with wisdom, enticing words or wisdom of men, but in the demonstration or the manifestation of spirit and power. And then here he says, for the gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Power and the Holy Spirit. When I brought you the word, there was the power and I came in the Holy Spirit. The power and the Holy Spirit. We got it? The power and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would bring this truth to a new reality to us, God, of power and Holy Spirit. Your power and your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to understand the miracle power of you, Lord God. We want to be able to understand the laws that govern it so that 
that we can cooperate with your miracle working power to bring forth the manifestation of your presence and power here on earth as never known before. We believe that God, you've called us in such a time as this, that we would rise up and that we would stand true to your word and we would stand obedient to your spirit, Lord God, to be used by you to propel the church and propel this world into the place that you would have it to be in preparation for your great return. Lord God, we want to do our part and to do our part, we need understanding. So we pray tonight, God, that you would give us wisdom and understanding as we study your word together. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, picking up on this series now, this is week three of a Wednesday night study of understanding the power of God. We've, let me just kind of do a quick review. We've, we've, we've established that everything that God creates, he creates it to be governed by laws. I mean, uh, Newton's law of gravitational uh, pull, you know, as he watched in a garden one day. I mean, this is back in the 1600s. An apple fall from a tree in his garden, and the way it fell to the earth, and he's studying it, and he just got this uh, idea. And we know where the idea came from. You know, what pulled that apple down? Why did it fall down and rather float off? And, and then he began, pulls together what's called Newton's law of universal gravitation. And in case you forgot it from school, let me just tell you, it states that every point of mass in the universe attracts every other point mass with a force that is directly proportional to the product of their masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. Now, all of you remember that in school and you could have quoted it, right? No, me either. 1687, he publishes this, and here we begin to understand the law. There's laws that, that govern even this world that we live in and gravity. That's why we don't just jump off of a high building. That's why if we throw bricks straight up in the air, we move. If you're smart, because why? You know they're coming back down. You understand that, right? And then we've also talked about law of electricity. Electricity being a power that is present. And it was present with Adam and Eve. Electricity was here with Noah. Electricity was here with Moses. But they did not understand the laws that governed electricity, so they could not benefit from the power of electricity. And so you have to have confidence in electricity for, uh, for you to be able to tap into it, like we have done, and benefit from it. But if there, you have no confidence in electricity, you're not going to mess with it. Or you shouldn't mess with it, I should say. But like I said, electricity has always been present, but it did not benefit mankind until we understood the laws of it that governed it, and then we begin to participate and cooperate with those laws. We don't violate those laws. We cooperate with those laws, and now we can benefit from the power of electricity. Now, the miracle power of God operates by certain laws, too. So that's in this series what we're wanting to do. We want to understand these laws that govern the miracle power of God, which the miracle power of God has always been present, but just because it's present doesn't mean it's advantageous or benefiting mankind. And God shows us in his word through his son uh, Jesus Christ in his life and his actions and his words of how we can cooperate with the miracle power of God, understand the miracle power of God, tap into the miracle power of God and have the manifest of the miracle power of God in our lives. I'm glad today that I'm in a church that's not ashamed or want to play ignorant that the miracle power of God is present and that we want to 
tap into it. I was 17 years of my life in a church that would not talk about the miracle power of God, didn't want anybody else talking about the miracle power of God, and I was a 17-year-old that had a very hard life that the devil was telling I wasn't worth the live, I wasn't worth anything, and I, should, I was unloved, and I had no place on this earth. I was better off dead, and at 17 years old, I'm trying to attempt to kill myself, to take my own life, to get out of the pain of life, and going every Sunday since I can ever remember as a little toddler going to this church that never talked about the miracle power of God or God being involved or caring about anything out in my present life other than me going to heaven one day. And I'm telling you, in that attempt, I saw the right hand of God pierce the roof of my car, take hold of a steering wheel, save my life, so nobody can talk me out of the fact that God wants to be involved in the affairs of man and that the power of God is greater than the failure of man. I'm here to tell you tonight that the miracle power of God is real, and in this church, you're going to hear about the miracle power of God. We're going to study the miracle power of God. We're going to try to understand the laws that govern the miracle power of God so that we can see a greater manifest of the miracle power of God in our lives and in our church because this is the power that frees us from oppression and sickness and disease. And it was supplied to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why do we want to gather around and celebrate an Easter or Resurrection Sunday if it's all about just what he did so that we can live beat, busted, disgusted, sick, d diseased, and broken, and, and scraggling by, struggling through life, one day to get to heaven? No, he said, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Hallelujah. So that abundant life is for today as well. We're not discounting heaven. We want to go to heaven. We are going to heaven. But let me tell you what. He said, we should pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've got a part to play in bringing about the manifest of God's will and his uh, kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And we can't do it in our strength. Brother Rudy, I can't do it. I cannot establish the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That's why he teaches me to pray to him. Because the power comes from him. The wisdom comes from him. The direction comes from him. So I'm here to tell you the power of God is present. It, it, and it is available, but it is not automatic for each and every one of us. No more, than, no more so than electricity was automatic for mankind. We had to learn how to tap into it to draw on the benefits of it. And that's why he's given us his word. He's given us the gospel so we can follow the steps of Jesus Christ. We can listen to the words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago. And we can see how he demonstrated for us how to operate in the, in the laws that govern the miracle power of God. Because I believe if Jesus, if you were to give three or four characteristics of Jesus, most people would uh, say something about miracles, about healing, about deliverance of some sort, right? Why? Because he went about the miracle manifest of God was on his life. There was miracles being manifested through his life. There was miracles taking place everywhere he went, right? His three and a half years of ministry were not boring at all. I can tell you that. So these, there are laws that govern the miracle power of God. They're only found in the Word of God. They reveal to us through the ministry of Jesus Christ, through His words and actions. So that's what we're doing in this study, is studying the words and the actions of Jesus so that we can better understand the miracle or power of God. And, uh, and we're not in this church. We're no, we've got an understanding now. We are not praying for more power. I know we used to pray for more power. But you see, it's not more power that we need. Jesus supplied all power through his death, burial, and resurrection. 
We already got it. Right? So it's not more power that we need. It's not more healing power that we need. It's not more delivering power. that we, It's not more prosperity power that we need. So to pray for more healing power is as silly as to pray for more salvation power. It's like there's not enough salvation power to get somebody saved. Oh, I want to, this lost soul has come. And you know what? I want to pray with them that they can get saved. But I don't know if there's enough salvation power present. That would be so foolish. I don't know if there's enough power of God to save this one. This one's a dirty one. Like we all weren't dirty, okay? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I'm just saying this is as silly as praying for more saving power as us trying to pray for more healing power, more delivering power. I'm telling you that all the salvation power needed was given to us in Christ Jesus 2,000 years ago. All the healing power. I wish somebody would agree with me tonight because I feel like I'm trying to convince these folks and I'm like, you guys have been on this train too long. To, you act like you've never heard this before. Come on now. We've already got it. If we're in Christ, amen, it's ours. In Christ Jesus, hallelujah. So if we want to see more sick people healed, then more healing power is not what we need. We need to teach and we need to encourage more sick people to believe and receive the healing power that's given to them, supplied to them, in and through what Jesus Christ has already offered. So we bring them to the Word. That's what the healing rooms is all about. We bring them to the Word and we show them that in the Word, He's already provided for them. He sent His Word and healed their diseases. He is by His stripes. They are healed. So, so we show them in the Word of God. If we want to see more more broke people prosper. We don't get uh, on our knees and start praying for more prosperity power. Lord, we need more prosperity power. No, we teach and we encourage more broke people to believe and to receive the prospering power that was supplied to them 2,000 years ago through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That he who was rich became poor, that we who were poor might be made rich in Christ Jesus. It was done 2,000 years ago. So we don't need more healing power. We don't need more saving power. We don't need more delivering power. We don't need more prospering power. It's already been provided. So what do we need? We need to get people encouraged in the Word of God so they can see in the Word of God that Jesus Christ has already provided this for them. So it's not a power problem that we have. It's a knowledge problem. My people perish for a lack of knowledge, God tells us in Hosea. So we're ignorant concerning some of the laws that govern the miracle power of God. That's why we don't cooperate with the, the power of God. That's why we don't obtain the power of God. That's why we're not benefiting as we could in the power of God. I'm telling you what, uh, those that, that grew up without electricity and had oil lamps and had to heat by coal or heat by wood, you know, when they went one day as the years went by and uh, they got moved into a house that had central heat and air and electricity, and they're like, man, what was I thinking of? Why in the world was I living in the backside of the wood? You know, Pastor Radika, believe it or not, she gaps uh, American history by... She should be about 80 plus years old, 80 to 100 years old. She's not, and she sure don't look like it. But you don't know this about Pastor Rodica. She grew up in Romania with an outhouse. You did too in Romania? Oh, <laughs> I know, Sister Nilka. Man, here's, here's a young chick, young, beautiful chick that you think's got it all together, and she does. Um, but just a few years ago, she's out in the outhouse. And they didn't even have the Sears catalog then. There. I don't know where we're going to go with that one, but I'll leave that one alone. Let's look at the laws that govern the miracle power of God. I've given you three. I'm going to quickly review those and give you one. 
and then we're going to have, we're just going to have some celebration time. We need to celebrate about what God has provided for us. Amen. We need to celebrate. I mean, it's time. I mean, we've received ministry, and yeah, we can receive ministry here tonight. I'm not against that at all. We're all about ministry. But I'm telling you what, there's also a time we just need to celebrate in the presence of God. Let our daddy know just how much we love him and appreciate the goodness of, his, of what he has done for us. So, so here's law number one. I, I base this, if you're taking any notes, uh, these are on, uh, online. They're, you can go and watch the video. So that's why I'm going so quickly. Those are made available to you free of charge. Just go to www.ceicva.org. That's Christian Embassy International Church, Virginia, ceicva.org. And everything should be there up and running. If not, it will be in a few days. But law number one, I base it out of Luke 5, 17 and through 26, the story where Jesus was in the house and it was full of people and he's teaching them. And the Bible says in the power of God to heal was present. The power of God to heal was present. It's there in the scripture, but nobody's being healed. And then you got this guy, these four guys that bring their friend who is paralyzed and let him through the roof. You know the story. And when they let him through the roof, that, that, that passionate faith that, that came against the op obstacles, that pressed through the obstacles, and believe you me, the enemy will definitely put obstacles before you, and got that man, that passionate faith, got that man and that need before the power of God, and there was a manifest of the power of God there. So law number one, just because the power of God is present does not guarantee it will manifest. The Bible tells us in that story specifically that the house is packed out with people. Jesus is teaching them. So Jesus is teaching. Jesus is the word. So the power of God is there. Then it specifically says that the power of God to heal was present, but nobody was being healed. So just because the power is present does not guarantee it will manifest. So don't get into this thing, okay, well, God's going to do what God wants to do, and I'm not gonna, I'm, I don't have any involvement in that. That is not true. If you, if you want to do that, you're just like walking in the woods and there's a, power, there's a power line running by here and you build a house and you don't get the permit and get the power company to tap it into your house. You'll live there without power and you say, well, if they want me to have power, if it's meant to be for me to have power, then power is just somehow or another going to show up in my house. It's not going to happen that way. You've got to cooperate with what's there to tap into it. Passionate faith, we find, tapped into that power that was present. But the house that was filled with unbelief, there was no guarantee of the manifest of the power of God. Number, law number two, the power of the Lord can be present and your senses not detected. You may be sitting here right now and had a hard day and, and you're thinking about maybe what do I need? I need a cup of coffee to get me through this next 40 minutes or I got homework to do or I've got work to get done before I go to, uh, back to work tomorrow. Or I'm ready to go eat or whatever. And you're just sitting here just kind of lackadaisical just, you know, and just like there's nothing going on here. Just preacher up there doing blah, 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 blah. You know, like the Lucy, Charlie Brown show, that teacher up there. You know, I can't make that sound, but... You know, wah, 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 whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you, don't you second guess this house right here. Just because you don't sense the power of God, the presence of the Lord is here, and the power of the Lord is here. I'm here to tell you. You may not be sensing it, but let me tell you what. His power is not determined by whether you sense it or not. I'm telling you that right now. So, the power of the Lord can be present, and your sense is not even detected. Number three, law three. 
Luke 4, 16 through 30, Jesus began his ministry, went into the synagogue, which was his custom, and there he took the book of Isaiah, the scroll, and he read from it. He says, I'm the anointed one, basically. He read that, anointed to open the blinded eye, to preach the, 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 the salvation message and the, and the gospel of peace and, 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 and just bring forth the miracle manifest of the anointing of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. He said, this is fulfilled to, for you in this day. It is fulfilled in this day. I am the anointed one, the power of God present on earth to bring forth the manifest of the Father's will. Here's the law number three. In order to benefit from the miracle power of God, you must first believe that God's power is present. They did not believe, and they took him to the cliff, and they wanted to throw him off of a cliff and try to kill him. But through the miracle manifest of God's power, he was able to get out of there, and they don't know how. But they did not believe. Here's the Son of God reading out of the word of God, declaring this is the day it is fulfilled in your presence, and they would not believe it, and not one of them enjoyed the miracle manifest of God's power because they would not believe it. So number three, in order to benefit from the miracle power of God, you must first believe that God's power is present. Now that was a quick review. Okay, usually my reviews take a little longer than that, so I'm doing pretty good. Now, law number four, this is the only law we're going to focus on tonight, then we're going to celebrate some. So get your celebration shoes on or off. If you can't celebrate with the shoes you got on, take them off and let's get ready because I want us to celebrate this service in the end. Okay, law number four. There are two vehicles by which the miracle power of the Lord manifests. There's two vehicles by which the miracle power of the Lord is manifest. And I want us to look at those two vehicles that we find in the teaching of Scripture of the manifest of the power of God. Because we want the manifest, we want to learn how to get the power of God flowing in and through our lives, right? Okay. Amen. Encourage yourself in the Lord. <laughs> yes, I will encourage myself. <laughs> I'm going to record me a, a, a shout and you preach it, preach it, uh, amen, sh you shouting type thing. And I'm just going to, don't some of these uh, sitcoms or these talk shows, they have their own little device and they can get their... Laugh box. I don't want them laughing. I want a shout box. An amen box. There you go. Okay, law number four. There are two vehicles by which the miracle power of the Lord is manifest. Number one is through the word of God. Aren't you glad it's not a hard? God's not going to give us something so difficult that we can't remember. The one vehicle, number one vehicle for the miracle manifest of the power of God is through the word of God. When we read the scriptures that promise the miracle manifest of God's power, then that power is made available to us at the moment you read it. There's a promise for that. <laughs> the moment you read it, you don't have to work it up. You don't have to get a theologian to come in agreement with you. You don't have to go wait to hear a sermon preached on it. The moment you read it in the word, there's the word. Let me tell you what, the, the power is made available to you. When you hear someone preach or teach from the Bible and that God has supplied the miracle power for us through Jesus Christ, at that moment, that means right now, as I'm preaching this, the miracle power of God is made, being made present for you, is being made available for you. Because the miracle power of God always, and I underline, always accompanies the Word of God. When the Word comes, power comes. When the word comes, power comes. Hallelujah. Now, a good illustration of this is in Matthew 14, 22 through 33, where Jesus told his disciples, you know, to go to the other side. 
And he, he waited and they got in the boat and they were going to the other side. You probably know the story very well. And now it's uh, nighttime and uh, Jesus needs to get to the other side. So he starts walking on the water. I'm telling you, when you got the miracle manifest of God's power, you can do miraculous things. Hallelujah. So he's walking on the water, and then the disciples see him. They think he's a ghost or a spirit, and, and he comforts them, and he says, hey, you know, it's me. It's me. Don't be, don't be fearful. And then Peter says, you know, if it's you, then, then give me a word so I can come to you. And Jesus says, come. Give him one word. Come. And Peter gets out of the boat and does something no man has ever done before. He walks on the water, suspends the very laws of gravity, and walks on the water in a miraculous demonstration of God's power as he's walking on a word. And the word was come. And the word came from Jesus, and Jesus is the word. Now, if you get your eyes off of the word and start looking at your obstacles or your circumstances, then you start to sing. And that's what happened to Peter, right? But when his eyes was on the Word and, the, and Jesus, let me tell you what, he was able to live supernaturally. I hope to raise you up the way you can live supernaturally, not just Sunday for a couple of hours while you're hearing the preaching of the Word of God and surrounded by faith, but when you go out there and there's some wind and there's some waves and there's some obstacles and there's some negative circumstances you're having to deal with, and you don't look at those, you look at the Word. There's a promise for that, and you just continue to walk supernaturally in the midst of the storm as you keep your eye on Jesus and on on the word because when the word comes power comes hallelujah this is very true in Joshua 6 you know the children of Israel they entered into the promised land and Jer Jericho is fortified and, and, and is well armed and, and you know the story God tells Jericho he says I tells uh, Joshua I want you to come in I want you guys to walk around the city one time a day for six days but on the seventh day he's giving him his word now on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times, right? And then I want you to shout. And the walls will come down. And they did what he told them to do. They obeyed the word. And what happened? A miracle took place. A miracle took place. Just like an elevator would go down, the walls of Jericho, Jericho were swallowed up in the earth, and the city that took all of their pride in the, in the strength of their walls and that they were behind their walls, now, and they stood on their walls and fall from their walls, now that's flat ground. And they are fearful, and they totally surrender. And, 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 and the children of Israel are able to go forth. So the fact is this. The moment God gave Joshua the word, the power was made available. When they obeyed God's instructions, that released the power for the walls to come down. And nothing could have held those walls up. When the word is given, the power is made available. And when you obey the word, then the power is released. See, many times we think because the power is not being manifest, it's because God hadn't given the power. That God is somewhere, he's off in maybe another part of the earth and he's forgot about us. No, no. If you've got the word, he said, you've got my power. My word, you got my word, you got my power. And my power is made available, but it's not released until you obey it. Amen. Oh, my mind. We have to obey the word of God. Right. We're getting back to the simple ABCs, but that builds the whole language that we live by, Right? Romans 10 and 9, he says it, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The moment this scripture is presented to a sinner, you go to a sinner and you go to, you know, we're all sinners, but I mean someone 
who has not been saved by the grace of God, you go to them and you take Romans 10 and 9 and you say, here it says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The moment that scripture is presented to them, the power to become saved is available to them. At that very moment. Now, what does it take for that power to be released in their life? They have to obey this verse to release the power within this verse, right? And there is enough power in this verse when released by obedience to deliver a sinner out of the kingdom of darkness and translate them into the kingdom of God as dear children of God. It's, now, now, I'm going to that verse because even if we grew up starch, starch Baptist, we believe that. Okay, if we grew up in a denominational church that, that didn't, didn't want, they wouldn't even cut the, the AC on because they didn't want the wind blowing in the service. They wanted to that calm, okay? You know, I can, they still maybe would go to that scripture. But do you know in that scripture, when it says you confess with your mouth, you will be saved, that word is sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo, in the Greek, in the original language. And that word sozo means to be saved. You're like, wow, that's deep. It means to be healed. It means to be delivered. It means to be prospered. It means all of that. So much so that when Jesus is speaking to blind Barnabas, and you remember blind Barnabas, he's saying, Son of David, have mercy on me! Son of David, have mercy on me! And Jesus stops, and his disciples tell him, Shut up, shut up! And Jesus said, No, bring him to me! And, 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 and what happened there? Jesus tells blind Bartimaeus. He tells him in the end, he says, your faith has made you whole. Do you know that word whole, H-W-H-O-L-E, is the exact same word as saved, translated here in Romans 10 and 9? It's sozo. The same word. The same. If you're reading it in Greek, the original language of the New Testament, it would be the same word. It's healed. Healed of your blindness, sozo. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Jesus is the Son of God. Confess with your mouth and you will be saved. You will be sozoed. You will be healed. You will be delivered. You will be prospered. You will be promoted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see? I'm using the basic scripture that we like to hold on to, but I'm trying to expand it in your understanding of how to cooperate with the power of God. The Word makes the power present, but the power is not released until we obey the Word. And the word in Romans 10 and 9 says that we have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. If you don't believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're not going to be saved. You're not going to be healed. You're not going to be delivered. You're not going to be prospered. You're not, you see what I'm saying? So you've got to obey the scripture. I like Romans 6, 17. Let me read this to you. He says this. Paul says, but thank God you've started listening to your new master. He's talking about you're listening to God here. One whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. He says, you were listening to a master before. See, sometimes we think, you know what? I'm just not into this believing and, and obeying thing. You were believing and obeying. You're, you're, you're always obeying, obey, uh, believing or, and obeying. It's just, what master are you believing and obeying? Jesus says there's only two. So let's don't complicate this thing. You're either serving the one and hating the other, devoted to one and despising the other, he said. Jesus said you can't be hot or cold. 
I'd rather you be hot or cold, he said, than lukewarm, right? I'd rather you be hot, but I'd even rather you be cold. I'd rather you go and serve the master of the devil so he can take you down to the bottom pit of, of desperation so that maybe you'll reach up before it's too late and come back to God rather than play lukewarm like everything's fine, play your politics, your little religious uh, hypocrisy, and just make out like everything's okay, but you're lukewarm, you don't have the power. The power of God is not being manifest through you hanging around the power. It's why you're lukewarm. But let me tell you what, he says, it ain't in you. He said, spew you out of my mouth. Man. He said, but thank God you've started listening to. Listening to. Children, listen to me. You're not just saying, I want you to hear my words. You better do what I'm saying. Right? Thank God you started listening to a new master. He said, this master, his commands that you're listening to, set you free to live openly in his freedom. For this is what we're saved, for freedom. Freedom is how he wants us to live. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Are you free? You don't sound freed up in here tonight. Man, are you free? So how were we made free from sin? While we were yet sinners, right? Someone delivered for us in the form of doctrine, the scripture says, the word. Jesus is the word. He came and dwelt among us. And remember, power accompanies the word. And when we obey from the heart, obedience releases that power. And that's how we receive all that God has for us. Hallelujah. Now, what would have happened if we'd never heard the word concerning salvation? If we'd never heard the word concerning salvation, then the power to become free from sin would never have become available to us, right? Isn't that why Jesus tells us in Mark 16 and 15 to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature? Why did he say that? He wants them to hear the word. You can sing the word, you can pray the word, you can teach the word, you can preach the word, but he wants them to hear the word because with the word comes the power. The opportunity for them to believe, to receive, and have the release of the power in and through their lives. Hallelujah. So I'm here to tell you, God is not withholding the power to become saved from the sinner. He's not withholding that. No. We are the ones, when we fail to tell the sinner the word, what the word says about salvation, and when we, tell, when we fail to tell them that and tell others about Jesus, we are making the power of God to be saved unavailable to them. Wow. There's a responsibility for us Christians. This isn't just a social club that we hang out and say, how are you going to make me feel better? Pastor, you got me up to, you know, I give you about a, a four and a half, okay, out of ten for Sunday morning. But for my emotions and my, my feelings and my, you know, everything, I need this thing around number seven if I'm going to keep coming here. This ain't about me scratching your back. This ain't about me tickling your ears. This is about us receiving instruction so that we're equipped to go out here and to do what God is holding us responsible to do. Amen. Right? Amen. Oh, yes. James 1.22, but the doer of the word, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Man, James understood this. Obedience releases the power within the word. So he said, be doers of the word. Release the power that's in the word. You know, many places in the Bible, and you study, especially here in the New Testament, you see where the Word of God is, and seed are synonymous, okay? 1 Peter 1.23 is a good example of this, where Peter says that we have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but 
of incorruptible seed through the word of God. So he's making reference to the incorruptible seed is the word of God. How are we born again? Through the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Okay? So we see here he's saying the word is like seed. Jesus did this same teaching in Luke 8 where he's talking about the parable and the sower. And in that the, uh, uh, teaching on verse 11, I think it is around verse 11 of chapter 8 of Luke, he says that, he actually says, Jesus says, the, the seed represents the word. He actually tells us that. He's using the seed to teach us how the word produces results. He wants us to understand how this, how, why do you think it is when Ceausescu, for 40 years, ruling in Romania, and says, I'm going to see to it that every Bible is, is completely destroyed. We'll turn the Bibles into toilet paper, is what he said, and that's what he did. And we will have guards trained at every entrance to this country, and no Bibles will come into this land. There will not be a sign of the Word of God. What spirit was behind that? That was a spirit of Satan because Satan is afraid. He's not afraid of your novel. Some of the stuff you read, he might be the one wrote it. I don't know what you got in your library. <laughs> Some of it's a little racy, okay. But nonetheless, maybe not yours. But he don't care that you have that. But why do you think the effort has been made throughout the history of the Bible to, to, to destroy the Bible, and, but it's still the bestseller? It's still the best. Why? Because it's alive. It's powerful. The devil's afraid of it. The devil don't want you to have the word. The devil don't want you to have the word. I love it. When I met uh, Pastor Adika's uh, family and we were getting married, and um, the next day, I met him one day and we got married the next day. No, no, it was a little longer, a little longer engagement than that. And, um, but here on this platform, we got married here, but it was the couple of Sundays before that. No, we got engaged six months before we got married. So six months before that, her family all came to the church here and had half the church filled up with Romanians. And uh, it was awesome. I loved it. And her brother got up here because he speaks better English. And he had uh, this big Bible, this huge Bible. And he's telling the story about it. And he says, you know, Ceausescu wanted to make sure there was no Bible left in Romania. He thought that he had completely wiped them all out of the country. He says, but my mom was out as your church, this church here, helped send Bibles to Romania, even before I knew I was going to marry a Romanian. And uh, they would smuggle, these, would smuggle these Bibles in with medical supplies through International Samaritan Health and uh, Isha. I forget exactly how it stands for now. But uh, uh, we'd take all the hospitals around here. We'd go and collect uh, uh, medical supplies, and we would put them in uh, bins and put Bibles, the little Bibles in there and send them to Romania, and our contact point was this underground church there. We never, I never knew it was Pastor Radica's house, but we sent, as I planted this church, we sent missionaries actually from this church there, stayed in her house, and I'm telling her my Romanian story, trying to win her over now on a date, and she says, I know those folks, they stayed in my house, and it was her house that they were in. That's how God worked that out. But here's her mom out there, little Sabina. She's got her little, you know, little, like a Gideon Bible, and uh, so she could, you know, hide it. She's in the tram station, and she's passing them out. She's a little evangelist. And uh, she comes across this drunk man who laughed and said, that's the baby Bible. That's a little Bible. That Bible's so tiny. He says, I tell you what, you come back here tomorrow, and I'll show you what a real Bible looks like. I got a giant Bible. Well, she knew that was impossible because how could you have hidden that from the guards and the soldiers over all these years? But he said, I got one, and I'll trade it with you. So... 
So, you know, she went back the next day thinking he's drunk, he, he won't be there, but he shows up. And sure enough, he's got it all camouflaged and all, but he shows her this big Bible. So she gives him the little Bible for the big Bible. And he says, you know, we didn't know if this was the only Bible left in Romania. So what the folks would do instead of opening it and tearing the pages, they would just kiss it right at the foot of the cross that was etched on the leather. And there was this big black circle under the cross where people had kissed it. And Cornell's up here showing this big Bible. I'm sitting down there going, just drooling, thinking, oh, I would love to have this Bible. Oh, I would love to have this Bible. I'm being, I'm coveting. Oh, God, forgive me. But then he says, and to welcome uh, Tim as our, into our family now, as he's going to be marrying my sister, he says, the family got together last night, and this is one of the few things we smuggled out of Romania when we were allowed to bring our two suitcases when we fled the country. He says, this is, we're going to give this to Tim. So this is in my office to this day, okay? And it's a Bible. And it reminds me that the devil is afraid of the Word of God, but the devil doesn't have the power to extinguish the Word of God. And I'm here to tell you today, the Word of God is powerful. And if we had as much faith in the power that's in the Word of God as the devil does, let me tell you, we'd have a revival that would sweep this land. I hate to say it that way, but I believe, you know, that I have to say what I have to say. Sometimes we don't give this the respect that we should give it. We don't come to it with, with the desire that we should come to it. This is our life source here. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus says this is the seed. And he says just like, you know, you understand a seed, he says, within this seed is the foundation. Within this seed is the infrastructure, the platform, and the fruit that will one day be manifested. It's all in the potential of this seed. And he said, there's power in this seed to reproduce. You understand that, you farmers. You understand that. He said, if you've got in your hand a, you know, a handful of apple seeds, in your hand, actually, you have little containers of power, right? You plant them and you water them, and that will release the power that is within them, and that power will begin to push upward through the soil, and it will break out of that soil. Roots will go down. And they tell me an apple tree in just two years, a grown man can't even pull that thing up. That seed goes, it builds its infrastructure, it builds its foundation. The power for it to reproduce and do all of that was in the seed. And Jesus uses this as a characteristics about the word. As he's teaching us that just like the seed, seed has to be planted, that's man's part. Seed has to be watered, that's man's part. And just like it is with the word, the word has to be believed, that's man's part. And the word has to be obeyed, that's man's part. But the power is in the word. We don't have to come up with the power. We, just like if you planted a seed, you don't have to say, oh, how do I become corn? How do I become corn? I planted corn. I won't corn how do I become corn no you just take the corn seed that has the power to become corn in it and you do your part and it'll do its part and the same is with the word of God it has a power in it it is in the seed of the word we just got to do our part and it'll do its part there's a promise for that hallelujah just like with seed no planting no watering no results just like with the word no believing no obeying no results. Well, it don't work. No, you don't work. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word is living. The word is living. That can be translated. It is full of life. The word is living and powerful, full of power and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, even to the discerning of the faults and the intents of the hearts of man, the Bible says. It, the Word of God is living. It's full of life. What you have in your hand is full of life. And it's powerful. It's full of power. 
Hallelujah! And if you truly believe that God's Word is full of life and is full of power, you're going to stop disrespecting the Word of God. You're going to place a higher value on the Word of God. You're going to stop questioning the Word of God. And when you start hearing the Word of God, you're going to say, I'm going to do the Word of God. Amen! Hallelujah! Good example, you know, when you, we hear the Word on how to raise children, behave children and happy children, the power to raise those behaved and happy children is, is delivered to us. The moment you hear that word on how to have happy, behaved children, the power for you to have happy, behaved children is present. Now, you've got to obey those passages of Scripture to release that power within them. And if you ever want to see your home life change, oh, some of you don't know where I'm at. You know, I took Townsend, and I've taken Morgan, and I've taken Caleb. And there's a proverb that says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And I said, this is, this is the rule. This is the word of God. You're going to be happy, blessed, God-fearing, loving your parents, children, behave. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir. No, ma'am, no, sir. You're going to be godly children. You're not going in the world. You know, I got to, and I said, and here's one of the things. says, now there's foolishness. The devil's going to try to get foolishness to manifest itself in your heart. And whenever it shows its head, we got, we got a corrective measure for that. You can turn me in if you want to turn me in. I'll take so, I've taken social services on for other families that I've gone in to, as expert testimony. Believe it or not, I've sat in court. And you know what? The judge, and they all nod the whole time I'm talking. They just nod. Yep, you got it right. You got it right. And I said, a lot of the mess y'all deal with in this court here, room here, you would never have to be dealing with if people were just going by the word. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. There's scriptures that, that, that govern that as well. But I'm talking about a nice little spanking that lets them know that there's a way to walk and a way to talk and a way to act. Okay? And if you fail to do it, don't go whining and crying because your kids are a bunch of maniacs. Okay? Now, there's a lot more scripture on about raising happy, blessed children than just that one, okay? But that's a good one. Okay, for you who don't have children, when we hear the word instructing husbands and wives how to conduct themselves with each other, power to have a happy and blessed marriage is made available right then. The moment you hear that word, right then, it's released. I mean, it's made available. But instead of releasing the power of those verses... Through obedience, obeying those verses, wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and was willing to give his life up for her. There's just one. The husbands like the wife submit part, but husbands, we got to love like Christ loved the church. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Okay? But what we want to do is spend our time screaming at the devil, rebuking the devil, commanding the devil to leave our home. Or... Spending our time rebuking our spouse. Commanding our spouse to leave the home, okay? Happy homes are not the result of us screaming at the devil, church. The power is released through the obedience to the word of God. When you will listen and obey, the truth will set you free. One thing I love about one of the elder couple in our church, and we're going to have a, a great installation service here coming up, Brother Harry and Sister Ray. How, how long have you guys been married? 50 years. 50 years. Let me tell you what. Now, yes. Now, y'all know Brother Harry is a jokester. So you know Sister Ray has had to put up with some stuff over the years. Right? 
Now, I'm just going to pick on him because I dare not pick on her, Brother Harry. I'm just going to play it safe here, okay? But what's one thing I love about Brother Harry, and I go to their house, Sister Ray, you know what? He, he loves to study the Word. And when he gets in the Word, the reason he wants to study it is so he can do it. He didn't want to study it to write a book. Or he didn't want to study it to sound smart. He's like, and, and if he ever has questions, he said, Pastor, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? You know, because he wants to be obedient to the word. I believe the success of their marriage is because he got the truths of the word and the power of the word released in their home because he's loving Sister Ray as Christ would love the church and she's submitting to him according to the biblical understanding of submission and this thing is a happy marriage. Look at there. Oh, isn't that sweet? Head on shoulder, this is so sweet. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Brother Harry taught me that one. So when we hear the word on deliverance, power to be delivered is made available, but obedience to the word will release the power. This thing goes on. When we hear the word on healing, the power to be healed is made available. Obedience to the word will release the power of the healing in our lives. And this can be for anything, okay? So the power of God always accompanies the word of God. Wow. This is why in Luke 5.17, that uh, story we keep going back to and the house is packed out and they're about ready to tear into the roof and, and Jesus is teaching there and the house is full and the power of the Lord is present to heal them. But because the power accompanies the word. But there was no one in that house believing, so there was no releasing of the word. And I'm glad these four cats, you know, they said obstacles are not going to hold us back. And that's what I've taken strength from because, you know what, in advancing this church, I find I'm facing some obstacles and I'm not being discouraged by the obstacles because the obstacles aren't from the Lord. The obstacles are from the enemy just trying to get me to get distracted or focused on the wind or the waves and get my eyes off of the Word of God where the power of God is. So let's, let's press on. I say hallelujah no matter whether you sit in here in, in belief or unbelief. I, I see this here that Jesus is full, a house is packed out, and he's teaching and nobody's believing. And I thought I was the only one that ever had to go through an experience like that. You know, he's just teaching it and nobody seems to even care. You know, I, they want to they find fault with him. Thank God that's not my experience at Christian Embassy. But I've had some situations where it was like, oh my, I take, I've taken the wrong assignment here. And... Uh, but I can sit here and say, hallelujah, no matter whether you sit here in belief or unbelief, that cannot stop the power of God. Sometimes we say, oh, if we can just get a church folks, full of folks that, who have a lot of faith, then maybe we can, see the, we can have the power of God. No, if we've got the Word of God, we've got the power of God. Here, Jesus is the Word of God. He's teaching the Word of God. The power of God to heal was present, but nobody was receiving it because they weren't believing it. Okay. So the good news is you can't stop the power of God. Folk that hang around you can't stop the power of God. So if you can't stop the power of God, that encourages me because as long as I'm faithful to preach the word, that's why I don't care to preach you all my stuff. You know, you want to know about my stuff? It ain't much. It is very simple. But I'll tell you the word of God because I found there's power in the word of God. Amen. Because the power accompanies the word of God. So law number four, there are two vehicles by which the miracle power of the Lord manifests. And the first one is the word of God. The second one, and we'll wrap it up with this. The power of God is, comes to this vehicle. The miracle power of God is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be a church, we have to be a church of the word and we have to be a church of the spirit. Wow, that was 
Thank you for that thunderous applause and exciting response. We have to be a church of the Word and of the Spirit. Nothing else really matters, okay? You say, well, we want to be hype. Pastor, I want you to spike your hair. I want you to wear jeans and them your fancy jeans. And I want us to, you know, fill this place up with every kind of techno light and, and, and strobe and, 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 you know, having holograms running around, blessing people and laying hands on people. And, you know, we need, to be, we need to be in the 23rd century while we're in this 21st century. I, don't, I love all that cool stuff. It's just cool. But let me tell you what, that's not where the power's at. You can get a little hype out of that, but there's no power there. I'm talking about power to walk on water. I'm talking about power to walk through fire and not be burned. I'm talking about power to walk through water and not be drowned. I'm talking about power to overcome, power to see the healing power, the manifest of God. So, so we have to be a church of the Word and of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now this second vehicle can bring forth the manifestation of the miracle power of God even when the Word of God is not present. Wow, see, God's got a way to do what he needs to get done even when there's not even a preacher there. Now, what are the manifestation, of the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? They're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. There's nine of them. I'm going to spend about an hour on each one. We'll get home by tomorrow morning. I'm joking. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, Unknown, speaking unknown tongues, and interpretation of unknown tongues. Those are the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Now, as the Holy Spirit works through man, these nine gifts will manifest as the Holy Spirit wills. As the Spirit wills. It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So this ain't for you to be faking it till you make it. This ain't for you to be look religious. This ain't for you to try to get some kind of religious promotion. This ain't something you manipulate. This is a, you become a vessel that the Holy Spirit works through, right? In Jesus' ministry, it's evident that he ministered through these two vehicles, and we see this through the teaching and preaching of the Word. That's very evident. We've looked at many, many cases like that. But he also worked through the Holy Spirit, or allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through him. As the Holy Spirit will, not as man wills, okay? A good example of that is in John chapter 5, verses 1 and through like 13, 12 or 13. There's a good story here. And this is the, the Jesus at the pool of Bethsaida. And there at the pool, remember there's the man laying there and he's waiting for an angel to come and stir the waters and somebody to come put him in the water so that he might be healed. And this place is full of sick folks. Actually, it says there's five porches there full of sick folk. And here, Jesus goes up to this one man who had an infirmity for 38 years. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? And the guy starts telling him, yeah, well, this is how the system works, dude. I don't know where you've been, but, you know, this pool, the angels come, they stir the water, and whoever can get in there first gets healed. I have nobody to put me in the water. And Jesus, through the manifesting of the Holy Spirit, declares unto him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And the man at that moment was healed. Right? Jesus didn't teach him the Bible. He didn't come and tell him who he was. He didn't do the teaching like he did in that house where they let the man through the roof like he was teaching the crowd, uh, the woman that touched the hem of his garment. No, it, it was not that way at all. Here is a complete contrast to that. Here's a man that probably didn't even know who Jesus was. 
Because he's telling him, he's whining and complaining about his circumstance and his situation. But the Holy Spirit, Spirit moved on Jesus, the Son of Man. Because remember, he's given us examples of how the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So he's got to show us, he's got to demonstrate for us, so it's written so that we can know how the, the, the Holy Spirit and the power of God is manifest. So here he goes to a Pacific man as the Spirit leads him, and the Holy Spirit flows through him and heals this man. And I'm here to tell you, you need to be, you need to be sensitive to this. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you to a certain person to minister to. Now there's two of you, act like you know what I'm talking about, but I know your history. I know you know what I'm talking about. That we can be led by the Holy Spirit. We can be in Walmart and we can see one person and maybe there's 200 people shopping in there. There's 200 people that have needs in their life. But the Holy Spirit will lead us to that one person and that will become maybe because that one person is ready to receive. We don't know, but he knows. All we got to do is be obedient to be led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you in here has ever been led by the Holy Spirit to someone to administer them, to share something with them, to give them something? You, you, so you know what I'm talking about. So here, Jesus does this, and the Holy Spirit manifests himself in the miracle of healing that takes place in this man's life. You remember Peter tells us in Acts 10, 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, when he's talking about Jesus of Nazareth, he's drawing our attention that he's not only the son of God, but he's son of man. He's a man, right? He said he anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, not the Christ, but Jesus of Nazareth, this man that is the son of God, but in his manhood, his limitation of man, who is depending on the Holy Spirit, just like we depend on the Holy Spirit, anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now, he anointed him with power because he was the Word. And the Word, where the Word is, it accompanies the power. But he also anointed him with the Holy Ghost. He needed the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. So these are two ways to initiate the miracle power of God. At first, God can initiate it through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. God can say, go to that person, lay hands on them. I've had it happen before in a restaurant. And I'm like, in a restaurant, Lord God, you know, you know, and I want to find some quiet place to call them over to. And, you know, but I just go to them. I'm obedient. And every time I'm obedient, there's a supernatural miracle of God takes place. So then I got to the place I'm excited. Lord, show me. Show me what you want me to do, what you want me to give, what you want me to say. Because it's going to be the right thing as long as it's you. So God initiates the power, the manifestation of his power through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, we initiate by coming in contact with the word that, 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 that makes available the power and releasing that power through obedience. So we got God doing one initiation and us doing another initiation. Now this makes me very, very excited. Because now I don't have to wait if I'm in need until I feel the Holy Spirit supernaturally wanting to manifest through me or having somebody come to me hoping they'll be obedient to the Holy Spirit to come to me before I can receive from God. All I, I can initiate it as well because all I got to do is get in the Word of God. And when I'm in the Word of God, there's a promise for that. And when I get that promise for that, there's the power for that. And there's the power for that. All i got to do is believe and receive and obey it. And it releases that power in my life. Yeah. Hallelujah. So John said in, uh, Jesus said in John 14, 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. 
So in order to do the works that Jesus did, we must know what he did. And what did he do? He preached, he taught, and he made himself available to the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to manifest through him. Now he said here, he's not speaking to ministers, okay? I hope you picked that up. He said, he who believes. He who believes. Let me read it again. He who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. Not preachers, not just teachers, not apostles, not prophets. He who believes in me, right? So he's saying here, if you, will, if you believe in him, then you and I can do what he has done. So if you are a believer, how many believers in the house? I'm here to tell you, if your hand's up in the air right now, you can duplicate the ministry of Jesus. You can, and that's, not just, that's just not some hearsay. I'm telling you what Jesus said. Jesus says, if you believe in me, you can duplicate my, min, my ministry uh, and the power of God that flowed through me is available to flow through you everywhere. So that means that Jesus, he, he preached, he taught, and he made himself available to the Holy Spirit. We need every one of you. Some of you say, well, I just feel like I'm called to preach. All of us are called to preach. Pastor Radica told me one time many years ago when she first came in, she said, you know what? Uh, we got married and I'd been pastoring the church here and started in about three years. And, and she's like, everybody's called to preach. What is this? And uh, because they're getting it confused that they, they were maybe called to full-time equipping ministry. Okay, there's a difference there. Full-time pulpit ministry, equipping ministry, there's a difference. Ephesians 4 talks about that. But all of us are called to, called to teach, to preach, and to make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit for Him to use us and flow through us. Right? We're called to pass on what we have gained through the Word and through our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It is our responsibility to duplicate the ministry of Jesus if we believe, to proclaim the good news, because with the good news comes the power, and to make ourselves available to be used by the Holy Spirit. I pray, I'm going to wrap this thing up right now, and I'm praying in these final minutes as ministry time that you guys are just going to come up to a fresh place between you and God where you say, Holy Spirit, I want you to be able to flow through me and do a work through me. There may be somebody dying. And they don't have time to hear the preaching and understanding of the word of God. And you just want me to go there and you want to flow a miracle of healing through me into their life. Or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Or maybe that word of knowledge is what's going to help them come to you. They're going to hear a word that's going to line up with what something you've already said. Lord, I know you've got a master plan and I just want to be a part of that master plan. Amen. So let's, let's just look at these laws again. Law 1, just because the power of God is present does not guarantee that it will manifest, but we've learned how to get it to manifest because if the Word of God is present, the power is present, and the power can be released if we will believe and obey the Word of God. Law number 2, the present power of the Lord can be present and your senses not detect it. So even though we love our senses, oh, it feels really good, and we love to cry and we love to shout and we love the titillation and a, you, know, you know, have the goosebumps and all that, all that's wonderful wonderful it's wonderful but let me tell you what that's like uh, cupcakes and ice cream okay if you eat if you eat that all the time you're really not going to be very healthy if you live off of your sensational highs all the time you're not going to be spiritually healthy okay you got to know that the power of God is present whether I'm feeling good or feeling bad sometimes when you're feeling the worst is when you need the power the most do you know what I'm talking about and if you're going to base your religion and your theology on your feelings when you're feeling the worst you're going to feel like God is the furthest there's less power than ever. I'm telling you the same power that brought Jesus Christ from the dead is there. If you've got a promise in the word of God, the power is there and you don't have to worry about whether he's there or not if you've got a word. And then law number three, in order to benefit from the miracle power of God, you've got to first believe that God's power is present 
before you'll ever tap into the obey the word. Because if you don't believe it, you're not going to obey it. Okay? And in law number four, the one we picked up tonight, there are two vehicles by which the miracle power of God is manifest through the word of God. And we talked about how that happens. That where the word is, there's the power. We have to believe that word. We have to obey that word. Releases the power of that word. And through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 4 and 23, But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. We need to be a people of the Spirit and a people of the Word. We need to be dedicated to that tonight more than we've ever been dedicated because everything around us in society and the society that we live in and as Americans was first founded on the principles of the power of this Bible. And they're trying everything they can to erase and change and, 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 and try to revise it. But I'm here to tell you, the church needs to stand stronger today than it's ever stood before. Ever. We need to stand on the Word. We need to be a, a, church, we need to be a people of the Word because where the Word is, there's the power. And we've got to believe that word to bring the release of that word. And we need to be a people of the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit can flow through us. Aren't you glad that God has set it up, that we have access to His miracle power? Aren't you glad? In Him we can find our repentance, our joy, our strength, our salvation, our peace, our healing, our deliverance. In Him we can find the power that we need to be more than overcomers that He's promised us to be. So I don't know about you, this is all good news to me. This is all good. This makes me glad. How about you? It makes me glad to know that God has put in our hands, He has put in our heart, He has put in our mouth the source of His power. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus told the devil in the desert. It is written. It is written. He released the word, the power of God on him as He released the word on him. This makes me glad that we have that same power today. Glad that we can be on the Lord's side. Glad that He loves me and He cares so much about me. How many of you are happy that God loves you? and care so much about you. Hallelujah. I'm just going to ask Brother Alvin if he'd come. He's going to close us in a song here. Are you ready to do it, Brother? He's going to close us in a song here. And I just want you to stand with me tonight and just say, I'm glad that I can stand tonight and I can testify of the goodness of the Lord. I'm glad that I can testify of His power, of His strength, and of His love. Amen? Because He is here in this house. He has made me glad. And I pray this word tonight has been good news to you. And it can make you glad as well. Amen. Come on, let's just worship the Lord as He leads us tonight. Get that music rolling. Hallelujah. Man, I had that thing all set up for you. We missed our jump in. We got it? There we go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. song it simply says this it says that i will bless the lord forever i will trust him at all times he has delivered me from all fear say he has Deliver me from all. You may have to say that by faith tonight. 
but we stand in faith and say, He has set my feet upon a rock. So believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that I will not be moved. I will say the Lord, and I'll sing. What are you going to say, church? Sing. You are my shield, my strength, my portion, deliverer, my shell, strong tower, my very present help in time. Tonight, church, he's everything we need, oh, yeah. See, whom have I in heaven but you? There's none I desire beside. You see what the devil meant for bad, God can turn it around for good. For he have made me. Yes, you have. Hallelujah. And I'll say, Hallelujah, you are. Come on, church, sing it from your heart. My strength, my portion. My deliverer. He's my shelter. Yes, you are my friend. We shout by faith and say it, church. He's our shield. He's our strength. Our portion. That's who you are. Strong tower. Very present. you take the next 30 seconds and give God your very best praise. Father, tonight, we don't have to wait for the battle to be over. We can shout right in the middle of the battle. God, I pray you be a lamp unto our feet. Be a light unto our path. God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that the enemy would be defeated. God, let your miracle working power move in this house tonight. Move in our lives. Move hearts. Move in our homes tonight, Jesus. See, there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. Nobody like you, Jesus. So we say that you have made me glad. Let me hear you sing, church. And I'll you are my shield sing. You my strength, my portion, deliverer, that's who you are. <laughs> I'm so in love with you, Jesus. You're everything to me. You are my shield. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So tonight, don't speak death over your life. Don't speak death over your future, but speak the power and the praises of him who loves you.
for he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. life of God that is in our lives. The Bible says that the king has sent out the singers to go before him in the battle, to go before the king, and they went out and they began to sing and they confused the enemy. Would you just take the next few moments, not for hype, not for any other reason, but just to let yourself know, maybe the person next to you, that you will not be defeated, that you embrace the miracle power of God. Give the Lord just a great shout of praise tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Oh. Hallelujah. What you say to say, you are my shield. We don't even need music. My shield.